Welcome to Affording College with Aaron Green, founder and president of College Liftoff. How in the world are you going to afford college in this day and age? With an average price tag of about $150,000, you're buying each kid you send to school a house. It really is a scary thought. So what can you do? How much should you have saved by now? Is there a way to solve this problem for your family? That's why I do this podcast. I'm Aaron Green, and I run a premier college planning firm in the Midwest called College Liftoff. I'm here to tell you that there's a right education for your child no matter who you are, no matter where you live, how much money you saved, even no matter what your child's grades look like, etc. And I'm going to tell you how. All right, so it's Halloween season, and it's actually our favorite season. I'm actually sitting here with Alex, my wife, and our marketing director. Yep. And, uh, <laughs> yeah, we're a little Halloween crazy at our house. Yeah, yeah, we started we've, decorating. Yeah, we've already, we're almost done decorating. Yeah, yep. yep. We should note for the listener um, that it's mid-September. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> See, now you're telling them exactly how crazy we are, because like, it, first day of fall is actually today. And, and it is? Oh, okay. So, we, okay, we're getting into late September. Yep. We decorated, I think it's what, seven rooms of our house, including our outside. So yeah, so we've, we've done as thorough job as we absolutely could to do to, it's amazing. to celebrate the holiday. And we love this time of year, but it's obviously a spooky time of year. And Well, and it's like we're in the thick of college application season, which makes it a spooky uh, time of year a, for a lot of people. Yes, but it doesn't have to be the scariest time not. of year. Um, that's not to say we've not heard our their share of scary stories. So I think we would be doing our listeners a service if we talked about some of the scariest college application planning stories we've experienced so that we can help our listeners avoid these on their own. So college scary stories starting now. Yeah. So what do you got? Scary stories. So we've got, here's one where a student actually went off to college. And, we and this sp- is a true story. This is a true story. And we spent our typical time, about two years with this client, really outlining the whole process and procedures, making sure that you know we've gotten the major lined up, we did all the career work, all these things. Uh, we found the school that had the degree at the best price, all of that. He showed up in the fall, and they canceled his degree. literally got rid of it How right as he showed up on campus. Delete a degree. They just a major. They just eliminated a, his major. Just eliminated his major, <gasps> major right there on the spot. No. So we had to literally scramble to figure out exactly what to do because it was actually a degree in public administration at this particular school. And public administration, if you know anything about it out there, it's 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 a it's actually kind of a construct of two degrees. It's actually a business degree mixed with a political science background. Basically saying you want to do something that's more uh, either nonprofit related or working for the, the government or working in something NGO based mm-hmm. as actually running it as an organization. Basically getting a business set of skills and something more political science tuned. A lot of students that want to go to law school particularly use this one or to go into more professional work on a nonprofit or social sector side, side of job but it teaches you a very business heavy set of skills within the degree itself so what we had to do because they literally got rid of it the day he showed up Mm -hmm. we had to build it we had to literally construct it between two degrees now the nice thing is this kid knowing going in we were looking at grad school is actually looking at law school that helps because if this is a professional degree that we're actually using in order to get a job afterwards um, we're you know we've got a real problem there because of this reason a lot of schools will say, and 
I'll tell you why I really don't like this, but a lot of schools will say, come in and build the major that you want. I really actually hate that. For this reason, there's no measurable to that. Right. Like that, that, that tells me the school has no traction in that. It's fine to fund in order to come, come and build your own major. It sounds great. Sure, but how do you know if the school's going to do it well or if the <laughs> yeah, kid's going to exactly. be able to do something with it or how much money he or she's going to make? Or maybe it takes you six years because they let you build it yourself. <laughs> None of the, it holds no one accountable for what's actually happening right. here. And that's my problem with building your own major. But in this case, for grad school, we knew he was looking at law school and this particular school actually has a good law school. So we knew we could kind of build this stuff in in order to make it more so appealing to So he wasn't like just totally lost. Like, okay, well now I'm here. I guess I have to pick some other major that sounds fun and hope it goes well. Exactly. So and he didn't have to transfer. He didn't have to transfer. So that's it. So first you get over the shock of like your major disappearing overnight, right? Yeah. And then you're like, okay. What about all the classes uh, this student was registered to take? So he was going as a freshman. So all his prereqs and uh, entry-level courses were still okay, normal well that, classes. That is lucky. And here's, even then. Th- that could be a problem. Right. Here's the better benefit of why this is actually good in his case, in this situation. If you looked at the degree, the degree was canceled, but none of the classes in that degree were canceled. Because they were all mixtures of political science and business classes. It just meant they got rid of the degree, but not actually the classes themselves. So we actually just took a political science degree and a business degree and merged them. Those already existed at this particular school. And all the classes being taught in this public administration degree were from those two departments. So actually, we just rebuilt it on our own and just call it a double major. So so (laughs) in that sense, we were able to kind of rebuild it, restructure it, come out with the same outcome. It wasn't called a public public administration. It was called political science degree with also a major and or minor, depending on how far you want to go with it in in business. And how's he doing now? He's doing doing great. He's getting ready to go for law school. Great. So, yeah, Um, we lost no time, no traction. Well, so how um, so uh, listeners out there can learn from us in this story. How can um, parents help ensure that their kids get to like don't get to school and have their majors eliminated you know that's tough it's very tough sometimes it's it's as simple as it being a smaller department they can kind of dissolve it and put it somewhere else sometimes there's just a lack of funding in a particular department um how's a parent to know that how's a parent to know that that's a very good question oh boy i wish i had a really good answer for that but i honestly don't so the best thing to do is just have a really good career plan in, in the first place so that you you know, your, your student knows his, themselves and... Well, and also know this too. I mean, this is one case out of 800 that we've ever dealt with that this has ever happened. Okay. Right? So, and even then, the, the, I guess there, if there's a writing on the wall type of scenario, you'll kind of see that, um, and this is more, you'll see this once you're actually in the department, that faculty members will start to shrink. There, there'll be less mm. resources allocated to a program, things like I that. I guess just do as much homework as you can. Just ask as, as many as questions as you can. Yep. Okay. As much as it is a scary story, that's why we're saying it now because it is just a scary story. It, 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 in the vast, vast, vast majority of cases, it will not happen to you. Okay. Good. That is a good thing. But be wary. <laughs> okay. So, what's another? Um, yeah. What, what's a more common scary story that so, you hear from college application season? Here's one that's pretty common. Okay. And it's a. Sadly common, and it's something to really look out for. Actually, I'll give you two stories back-to-back that are really common and really detrimental. One, so really scary. These are really scary. Okay. Really scary. One's from a, well, 
Let's get into them. Filling out the fast or wrong. Mm, I guess that's terrifying. I think that's probably terrifying for a lot of our listeners, the thought of filling out the FAFSA wrong. And let me tell you why. Because if you miss, let's say you add an extra zero somewhere, nobody's checking that. Like in vast majority of cases, the FAFSA was done by the family. It's not like your tax person or something like that is doing it. Or even like TurboTax is double checking your work in some cases. And it happened with the FAFSA. So if you report something and you add more information than you should have, then you can be in a real problem. And what I really mean by that, again, is if, if the numbers are off or something like that and your math is wrong, it'll be a problem because then you can still go back and correct it. You can't. But okay, that was my question. You can still go back and correct it. Here's where this becomes a real issue, though, is we have a, a really uh, close family that we've worked with, um, and so they'd be fine with us telling the story because we, we battled through this, where they actually entered in too much information onto the FAFSA. And what I mean by that is this was a family that came from a divorce situation. Uh, parents were split, had custody of the student. But shared the f- custody. Shared custody of the student. But the case is on the FAFSA. The FAFSA doesn't particularly care on which way or the other custody situation is. The FAFSA say, states, where do you live the majority of the time? That's the house you use. Mm-hmm. And whether that that's 60 to 80% of the time or 51% of the time, wherever that is, that's the family's information you use on the FAFSA. But you don't put both. You don't put both. And let me guess, the student put both. The student put both. Here's the problem with that. You can't really go back. Mm-hmm. Once they know that information, once they see that you've put in that info, trying to pull information, especially financial information, back from that. And saying, whoa, 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 we actually don't have that much money. They actually don't, yeah. Yeah, that's like, like, the cat's like, out of the bag. Mm-hmm. And so we had to literally go school by school and try to talk to the financial aid departments and, and work through, like, look, this isn't really the situation. But the problem is they know now, like, oh, well, there's two parents there with a healthy amount of money, or two families there with two healthy amount of money in order to support this kid. It's really tough to walk that back. So where I'm really going with this one, for the case of the FAFSA, do your homework and know exactly what you're putting on that thing before you actually hit the submit button. And if you have questions at all, at all. Oh well, gosh, just email us and yeah, ask. Email I don't want call. this to happen to you guys. Yeah. Feel <laughs> free to do that at any point. We'll have, be able to answer anything for you. And I'll actually, I'll give a shout out to FAFSA, their, their support staff and their support team. They're actually pretty good. We've called them a bunch over the years with some very, very specific questions. And um, they actually always pick up the phone. It's one of those few federal agencies where you can actually get somebody on the phone and they'll answer a question for you right there. So uh, know that you always want to ask a question about that to FAFSA or to us. Do not ask the universities because it's like, think about like going to Target and then asking them how much money you have in the bank to spend on stuff at Target. They're going to tell you you have all the money in the world to spend on that stuff. That's what you're doing here with college. Don't go to the colleges asking them about the money specifically or about FAFSA information. Go to FAFSA. Go to more or less the, the, the banks or more or less to, to do that or to us. That's really good advice. So that's, that's the first one. So that has, an, that has to do with the FAFSA itself. The other has to do with early decision. <laughs> if you've heard us talk about early decision on this channel, you'll know that I don't care for it very much. Well, we just did a recent podcast on it. Yeah. I think it, it was a few weeks ago. Yep. Here's why. Back about five, six years ago, I had a student where the family was adamant that this kid applied to a really prestigious 
Ivy League school. Now, I was able to get them to, to do other schools, too. I mean, he was a very smart kid. 34 ACT score, right around-ish. And, and sure, he had, from what I can recall, well above a 4.0 GPA and all those things, which is really good. Don't get me wrong. That's great. But we still have to pad that with other schools. In fact, we just recently did a talk about like how many schools you should apply to, and the answer is five to eight. And no matter what, you should still apply to five to eight. Like You shouldn't be applying to one or two. You should always at least apply to five. This is also another recent podcast. Yes. <laughs> so, yeah, just go back through, um, I don't know, yeah, scroll through all our uh, podcast topics. And if you want more information on all of these topics. Yes, please. Yeah. Yeah, so. like early action, early decision, how many schools should you apply for? All of it. We so, got you. Yes. So I, I finally got this kid to apply to five schools. Actually, it was six. We got six. They were adamant they applied to this particular Ivy League school. And, of course, they caught wind uh, from somebody that said, we should apply early decision. And, again, I'm not a fan of early decision. And the reason for it. Did you explain that to this family? Yes, okay. very much so. Anytime it's brought up in a conversation, we go through the full 411 of this is a problem because, one, you have to pull all of your applications off the table. If you get in, you have to literally tell every other school, no dice. I'm not mm-hmm. concerning myself with any of them, which is a tough thing to give up on in November. Like, this is a, a senior in high school with five, six options on the table, and this school is forcing you to withdraw all your other applications. The other problem with that is... You give up all your financial viability in this. And what I mean by that is if you get in, they will not give you a financial aid package then. They won't even tell you what the number is. They'll just say, you're in, you're going to pay whatever we want. That's what you signed up for. Those are the two gigantic pitfalls for early decision. But they hear from somebody else, whoever, literally whoever else it may be through hearsay, that if we did this, we have better chance of getting in. Which, here's the thing. Yes, you do. You do yeah, have a better chance of getting in. Pay more money for exactly. it. Exactly. Who wouldn't give you that deal? If I told you, if you applied to buy our house and you submitted it today before everybody else did or just submitted directly to us, but you give up all of whatever, all of cost structure, anything, we get to charge you whatever we want. Who are you going to take? The person that's actually putting in a bid for the house with a number or the one that keeps it open with a blank check? You're going to take the one with the blank check. That's what early decision is. You've literally decided to give up everything and give them a blank check for what you wanted. And lo and behold, the kid got in. And well, So what's the scary part? The scary part is that he got in. He got in through early decision to the school. He had to withdraw all of his other applications from every other school. And he was forced to pay the rack rate, the actual cost of that school at full cost. Were and they prepared to do so? No. Oh, okay. No. And who is? I mean, if you look at the going rate for any Ivy League schools at this particular state and time, I mean, you're looking at the bare minimum of 55. It's pretty much from 55 to about $78,000 a year. That's what you're looking at. And that's that's where this sat because there's nothing else to do. You got in through early decision. And that's where early decision leaves you. It leaves you with no options and hung up with a bill that's just absurd. All of that is scary stuff. Yeah. But you can avoid it. Yeah, you can. I mean, and that's the thing. It's just about being smart. It doesn't have to be scary. It doesn't have yeah. to be just scary at all. be prepared and you won't get caught in a dark alley during college application season. And that's really it. After every podcast that we have, it's really, the common theme is have a plan. You know, have a plan, sit down with somebody that knows what they're doing um, in this space and really talk about these things open and honestly. And don't guess um, because guessing and 
leading in a lot of cases, just leading with heavy emotionality about what you think, like at a school, is what an Ivy League is going to give you. And again, that's not to just say that an Ivy League degree isn't worth it. I'd say any degree is worth it, depending on if you've done your homework on it, you know how much it's worth. So just do your homework and try not to go just straight off of hearsay and try to make sure you let logic and reason lead this as an effort. And then you won't run into terrifying stories like these. Happy Halloween, guys. Happy Halloween. Thank you for listening. Yep. Thank you very much. And if you'd like to, please follow us on Facebook or Twitter or Instagram. Uh, you can always reach us at hello at collegeliftoff.com. And uh, you can always give us a call, too, at 614-329-6633. Thanks again. Happy Halloween, everybody. Did you say collegeliftoff.com? I said did. hello at collegeliftoff.com. No. They should visit our website. Oh. At collegeliftoff.com. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks, guys. Sorry, I missed that. College Liftoff can help empower you to make college affordable for your student. If you want to learn more about your options, Aaron will be responding directly to your emails. Email him a question at Aaron at CollegeLiftoff.com. Thanks for listening to Affording College with Aaron Green of College Liftoff. If you'd like more information, visit CollegeLiftoff.com.